everyone. Welcome back to the Earthdawn Survival Guide, the podcast for all disciplines, paths, players, and game masters with your questers Josh and Dan. I'm Dan. I'm Josh. And on today's podcast, we'll be dis- discussing all things botanical and herbaceous uh, as we get down to a bookend podcast uh, topic that we probably should have done a long time ago. However, uh, this goes back to episode 48, where we did diseases and traps and poisons mechanics and all the things you can possibly encounter, we're going to talk about, out of the Earth on Survival Guide itself, natural medicines. So this is good for your alchemy and potion skill and your foraging skill if you're going to liven those up a little bit with your uh, player characters. Yeah, this is an area that you can use if you are so inclined to provide a little bit more flavor and detail to exposition <laughs> your game to your exposition to your descriptions to things like that it is not uncommon for different plants and other natural substances to be sought as an ingredient in magical stuff you mentioned alchemy and yeah. and whatnot but also just in regular healing and medicine the sort of earlier days of medicine and some of the things that we have today are yeah. derived from or chemically related to natural substances, plants and herbs and things like that. Absolutely. This is not something that is necessary if you are not interested in this sort of thing. It can help with immersion and fleshing out the world and and making it real. The list that we're going to go through here that's in the survival guide does include some actual real world plants. Plants, yeah. Most of them are actually either completely fictional or are maybe inspired by real plants, but the names have been changed to tie them into Barsavian culture in a way. And I couldn't be bothered to do the research to figure out if that was actually the case. We don't care. That's fine. This is for a game. There does not need to be any no. necessarily real world scientific foundation to any of this stuff. But as a lead in to this topic, I do mm-hmm. want to plug a book. It's called The Herbalist's Primer. This is mm-hmm. a book by Anna Urbanic who actually did some layout work for us on the early Legends of Barsave adventures. Yeah. And this is a book that she put together that is a collection of real-world plants and herbs, Mm -hmm. illustrated, but with the idea of it being used as a system agnostic resource for people who want to add this sort of flavor to their game. Yeah, she kickstarted it to huge success. It is like a 300 and almost 400 page book with a lot of interesting information and notes and whatnot. While there is some nod to research and scientific reality included in it, it is not intended as an actual legitimate guide It is merely there to provide inspiration or flavor for role-playing games for those who 
want to have that sort of thing. It also includes a bunch of neat tables, random tables, if you want to make up your own plants and stuff, mm-hmm. where you can just roll on tables to get some of the characteristics of it and what it might be yeah. able to do, and mm-hmm. potential adventure hooks and whatnot. Uh, for the entries on our list that we're going to go through here that actually are real, I am going to grab some additional information from that book. That book is still, it is available for sale. So you can go and find it and order your own if you want to add that to your library. She just recently did a second volume in this series that is focused on rocks and minerals and gemstones with a similar kind of idea. Yeah, the geologist primer that also was wildly successful. Uh, That is still in production. It's not released yet, but that process is moving forward. Yes. Really great resources. If you're into that sort of thing, throw her some love. Absolutely. Dig it, dig it. Oh, and they also made the book into a deck of cards. If a book's too expensive for you, the cards are pretty darn cheap. Yeah, they don't have quite as much information, but they have, you know, sort of the art and some really basic details on there. It's just, it's a really cool project. And yeah. uh, I, Happy you know me, support indie artists. <laughs> And especially ones that I know. Absolutely. So in the uh, Earth on Survival Guide book itself, the useful natural medicines list, and there's like 20 or so odd here. So we're going to spend some time on these. Uh, the first one up, and these are just alphabetical as we come across them, is aloe, which, by the way, is a real world plant. I've got one in the next room. Yes. Aloe is a succulent. Uh, it is akin to mm-hmm. cacti. It is a longstanding and well-known Burn. Yeah, for for burns, if you break the leaves, Mm -hmm. the sap that they have can be spread on burns or anything like that to help deal with that. Lots of products like sunscreen and moisturizers and all sorts of stuff will typically have aloe or aloe extracts included in them because of the usefulness of them. This actually doesn't have... Any entry in the Herbalist Primer, oddly enough? Probably because it was like slow-pitch softball, just way too easy to throw in there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It is well-known. Not a whole lot needs to be said about it. Um, One of the interesting things as well with the Survival Guide is that in addition to sort of the basic description of the plants and what they can do, is there are some suggested alternate mechanics and how they in the back and how they might be specifically applied in order to, again, provide some variety and and differences in terms of how they might be used in your adventures. Totally. Uh, Next up is Bloodwort. Bloodwort is another legitimate real world plant. Oddly enough, there are actually two completely different plants that... (laughs) can commonly go by the name bloodwort. The one that is being referred to here in this description is uh, more commonly known as the yarrow. The yarrow is an antiseptic. Hmm. It's got, uh, it's commonly used as well to help stop bleeding and, and treat injuries of that sort. According to the herbalist primer here, Anna's little notes Used to heal battle wounds, stop bleeding, bestow arcane sight, and bring love and courage. It is additionally commonly used in 
hand fasting ceremonies and and being a, a plant that is symbolic of love and binding things together kind of the way Commitment. that it that it is used to bind wounds and so forth the leaves of the yarrow are actually edible they're bitter but can be used in salads a similar way that like dandelion greens or or anything like that could potentially yeah. do uh, they are toxic to cats and dogs but they are okay for for humans to eat the other plant that is known sometimes as the bloodwort is the bloodroot which is often used as a cruelty-free replacement for blood in magical spells and rituals hmm. because the the rhizomes the sort of underground portions of it will have a very like reddish sap that uh, can be used as a substitute in that regard. And that's an interesting thing. While this book, the survival guide focuses on them primarily as medicines in sort of mm -hmm. the way that we would traditionally think of them, there are a bunch of other interesting uses that you could potentially put them to. If you can think of parallels or metaphors or, symbolic representations, especially if you're dealing with how wizards frequently will have their correspondences and, and whatnot. If you can think of things that, oh, this reminds me, or this brings this idea to mind, then you could potentially have that be connected to something else that it might be able to be used for. Exactly. This is, by the way, you're probably your Questers of Garlen uh, supplement episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elementalists would, would potentially be interested or, or have use of this information. But any character who would mm -hmm. have either physician or botany, I mean, there, yeah. there are a number of knowledge skills that could provide access to this information as well. Exactly. So next up on the list is blood moss. This is found in large quantities in marshes along the lakes and tributaries of the Serpent River. It's excellently suited for dressing wounds. And this is the case of mosses in general, because of the way that they are. Mosses, historically, have often been used as a component in field dressing wounds. There are certainly varieties of moss that have antibacterial properties, but also because of the way they are, will help keep a wound moist, will help keep it from drying out, which actually can cause uh, additional problems. But also it is often thick and will help provide additional benefits for that. Yeah, you wad up some, some bog moss, it basically acts like gauze. Modern day cotton gauze. The bog moss specifically uh, is pointed out that it is actually used dried. And that when wet, it really isn't a whole lot of good. But moss in addition to its healing properties, actually can serve, if you've got enough of it, as a decent tinder for fire starting. Yeah, fair. Especially if it's dried out, because then you could use it to it's kindling, get some sparks on that and get a little bit of flame going with some shavings of wood to eventually exactly. get uh, get a fire going. Totally. Next up is Dragon's Tongue. Uh, this features two or three broad leaves surrounding a long, thin flower colored a vivid red. Dragon's Tongue, I again, may be inspired by a real plant, but if it is, I don't know what that might be. Yeah, we're not botanists. <laughs> yeah, we're not botanists. 
like I told Dan before we started recording, and I didn't really want to do the research uh, necessary to figure that out. <laughs> it's a 300-page book. <laughs> the primary uh, purpose of Dragon's Tongue, according to the book here, is that if the leaves are boiled in water or wine, they can provide anti-poison yeah. benefits and can also keep somebody conscious if they are kind of woozy and and near and in a dangerous state like that where maybe somebody with a, a concussion or something like that where you want to make sure that you keep them awake for a bit instead of passing out and going into shock or something kind of like a coffee or caffeine or you know something along those lines can provide exactly. a little bit of assistance there or maybe as an enhancement to people who are doing or guards who are doing an overnight watch where they might have that as something that they would take to help avoid falling asleep on a late watch shift or something like that. Yeah. So just put in the flavor text for your game master that, you know, you're, you're, you're boiling your water for some dragon's tongue to keep your, keep you alert on your watch for your overnight shift, whatever, who knows? Uh, next up, eye bright. This small thorny bush grows amid various species of brambles. So anywhere you find those thorny type bushes, eyebrows yeah, there. Probably in any kind of woodland area that would have undergrowth like that. The primary purpose of eyebright is to take its flowers and to steep them to make a tea that enhances the user's night vision, effectively giving humans low light vision. Uh, similar to the way elves and orcs are able to see in the dark, kind of reducing yeah. the darkness penalties as a result of that. So, yeah, I don't think that there's any mechanics behind that as far as listed um, in the back of the book, but, you know, game masters, feel free to make up some. Why not? Uh, one of the next is my kind of one of my favorites because it lists Firestone mushrooms, but Firestone mushrooms are also helped in the healing aid of the Adept's blood, earlier in the chapter. So really we've got uh, Firestone mushrooms grow virtually anywhere with sufficient moisture to feed fungi. There are uh, many, many different varieties of mushrooms in the real world, which all have various properties. As you should be well aware, some are perfectly serviceable and edible and are tasty and delicious. Mm -hmm. Others are less so. Some of them have psychedelic properties Mushrooms and fungi and such are fascinating, fascinating yes. Yes. living things. So yeah, the Firestone mushrooms are like barely edible, but yeah. they're better served in this potion called Adept's Blood. Right. And what Adept's Blood is, it's actually kind of going into the cytosillin or psychedelic mushrooms or something mm -hmm. like that. Like the purpose of that is after the preparations of the Firestone mushrooms is it's used to invoke visions in adepts that drink it to perhaps provide them insights into how they can further their magical abilities with the idea being that adept magic does have a certain amount of mystical insight or intuition that is involved in it. So this is, I think, a great storytelling technique for the game master to have, I can't say an acid trip, but <laughs> to give one of the characters this nice little psychedelic trip and explain a whole bunch of stuff. An unfortunate side effect of Adept's blood is that because of the 
vision-inducing and and perhaps somewhat hallucinogenic properties, mm-hmm. it makes someone who is under its influence a lot more susceptible to illusion magic because they're already <laughs> having a hard time distinguishing between what's real. <laughs> yeah, what's real and, and what's vision. And so care must be taken, but that could be something that is perhaps a clue if you're in a uh, situation where adversarial illusionist who's using illusion magic to perform some sort of skullduggery might spike the guards with adepts blood unknowingly Mm -hmm. so that they are more easily swayed or deceived by the illusions that might be in play. Yeah. So I think just the use of the mushrooms is one thing and the adepts blood is something else. I love the twofer in this listing. It's awesome. Uh, Next up. And like I said, this is the questions of Garlen's supplemental episode because we're going to get into Garlen's hand. This wonderful flower is a true gift from the healing passion. The blossom has five white petals shot through with veins of red and pink. Yeah, this is the plant. Uh, it is called Garland's Hand because it is a very strong healing herb. Mm-hmm. The oil that comes about when the flowers of the plant are crushed can be mixed with water to soak bandages in or to uh, have a tea or infusion that Mm -hmm. the patient drinks in order to speed recovery. A potential suggested mechanic that's in the back of the book is that it allows uh, additional bonuses to healing. Yeah. If dried, they lose their potency, but the oil can be kept in sealed containers and retains its ability to do the stuff that it does for some time. Yeah. And it helps to seal wounds. So not... No, nothing wrong with that. Uh, the next entry, alphabetically speaking, is also a real world thing we probably all use at some point or another. Garlic. Like a lot of herbs, honestly, yeah. garlic has a long folk medicine history to it. Mm-hmm. For some legitimate reasons, it is legitimately antibacterial, antifungal. It has developed where it is not as susceptible to those things. In a similar way to related plants like onions and whatnot. Yeah. Obviously, garlic has a strong association with vampires from a folkloric perspective and something that would drive them off. But that is connected to its medicinal history. Yes. It is fairly common. There are quite a number of reported mystical or pleasant or helpful associations from garlic, uh, from Anna's book here, uh, just briefly, magical properties. One of the most protective herbs available, garlic's powers include absorbing diseases, guarding against storms and bad weather when carried aboard ships, repelling thieves and robbers with braids hung over the thresholds and windows, exercising malicious spirits. So there's kind of your vampire connection there. There you go. And keeping evil at bay, similar Garlic also strengthens the body and spirit, adds physical prowess and mental resilience, bestows courage in battle, enhances speed and endurance, and if used as an oil on a weapon, empowers them against dark forces. Hundreds of spells, rituals, and preparations use garlic in some shape or form, usually for their protective properties. Nice. (laughs) And it's tasty to boot. Mix it up with a little butter, spread it on some toast. Mm -mm -mm. Oh yeah, roasted garlic, nothing better. All right, on to... Helmet mushrooms, 
which have a dual purpose because these helmet mushrooms grow wild in dark, moist forests, of course, uh, but can be cultivated in any suitably wet climate. Yep. They are edible, according to the description here, and, and tasty. But on their own, if you just eat them as straight mushrooms, don't really have any significant properties. Yeah. If you dry helmet mushrooms, you get to make something called the Helm of Bravery. Yes, which is a powder that can be mixed with water, again, making an infusion or, or tea-like substance that when you drink it will increase your resistance to fear. Yeah. It prevents that aspect of things going in. So it could potentially provide bonuses to resist fear and, and shake off the effects. Yeah. It does, un unfortunately, however, have the potential side effect of leading someone who is under its influence to take foolish risks because they don't have the level of fear that would keep them safe. Yeah. Uh, there are, yeah. So basically in the back of the book, the, it's a plus three bonus to the character's social defense against fear and intimidation. And it lasts uh, two to four hours. So not bad. Some, some small mechanics there, but you know, anything helps. Uh, next up is Jikar root, which is a, Plant mostly long, wide leaves that spring from a white, fleshy root. Yeah, Jakar root, this is your caffeine. This is your speed. You know, not quite Upper. to the dangerous degree of methamphetamines or anything like that. But the primary purpose of the Jakar root is to counteract sleep-inducing effects of poisons and some diseases and is often used to maintain wakefulness. Again, similar to what we were talking about earlier with, you know, maybe individuals taking this overnight to maintain alertness yes. on a guard watch or perhaps to keep themselves awake if they need to do a forced march or something along those lines. Prolonged use of, of it can endanger one's health, causing nervousness, irritability. When it wears off, uh, you generally crash. So there is a very jolt cola, uh, mm -hmm. monster kind of <laughs> attitude Instant going rush. along with this. Yeah. <laughs> It'll keep you awake for a while, but uh, extended use of it is probably not great for your health. Yeah, probably not. But then again, you're playing a role-playing game and, you know, magic works. Uh, next up is Mahogany Trinrose. This rust-colored mahogany trinrose is native to the mid-reach of the Serpent River, where its vines climb the steep sides of the region's many canyons and cliffs. Yeah, it smells nice, and when brewed into a, an herbal tea of some sort, promotes healing and, and general well-being. It is particularly useful as it is the only known cure against blood algae, which is a nasty bit of stuff that grows in some portions of the serpent. Yeah, that's not fun stuff. <clears throat> not at all. Uh, next up, mist blossoms are ghost white trumpet shaped flowers that grow abundantly in the steamy heat of the mist swamps. So, you know, if you need to be in the mist swamps, <laughs> maybe this is a small benefit for you. Yeah. The primary benefit of mist blossoms is for treating burns also preventing infection of mm -hmm. burned skin. Similar to aloe in some regards is something yeah. that can be used to sort of reduce the effects of burns of all kinds, you know, sunburn. Yeah. We talked about the, the Badlands last week. 
sunburn is something that you are <laughs> potentially going to run into when you are dealing with that blasted yeah, take hot your aloe with desert you area. Take, take your mist blossoms too. There's your SPF 40. Exactly. Well, and, and your and mist cold cream that you put on afterwards to kind of take the heat out of a sunburn. <laughs> exactly. And then mist blossoms are also kind of like an analgesic. It soothes pain and discomfort. So yeah, you know, it's why it's particularly useful for burns. Exactly. So nothing bad. Uh, this is specifically one named for the Earth Dawn setting. This is Minbruge's Balm next. It's a also known as Minbruge's staff. Growing in straight stalks, some two feet tall. Its leaves are hairy and broad, and small bluish-purple flowers grow in dense cluster near the top of the plant. Yeah, this is another plant that uh, helps reduce pain and discomfort when brewed into a tea. It's a little bitter, but has a kind of lavendery scent, oh, according yeah. to the description in there. A lot of this is not that we're looking at a bunch of distinct, unique effects. These are just various plants that are in different parts of Bar Save. Yeah. And how they might be used. Just add flavor. By healers and, and to add flavor and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Uh, sarfran, which I think is a hilarious name, also known as bone stem. I think bone stem would have been better than sarfran, but that's just me. Uh, the sarfran plant is a thin, brittle, cream-colored stem and broad, jagged leaves. Yep, it's a plant that, in particular, promotes healing of broken bones. Yeah. So there's probably some kind of calcium uptake that's involved in that. It tastes a little chalky, um, which, mm -hmm. again, like leans into the idea of there being some kind of calcium-related stuff going on there. Mucilage. <laughs> Kind of stuff like that. But yeah, you boil it and make it a nice little broth and take that every every two days. Your bones will heal faster. So probably some mechanics you can throw in there as well. Uh, next up, serpent vine, a flowering creeper. Uh, the vine grows wild through many of Barsave's forests where it climbs the trunks and branches of large trees. A serpent vine, drawing the parallel here, the idea it's named after serpents. It is very effective against poisons or venoms of snakes. I imagine that it is a common alchemical ingredient for the making of the Culex poultice. Yes. The anti-poison healing aid that's mm -hmm. described in the player's guide. It either helps draw the poison from a wound or, or can be used to create stuff that will provide you some degree of poison resistance. Exactly, because this is especially good against snake venom of all kinds. So... Yeah, serpent vine. Why not? Uh, a few left. Sindolin. The small pale blue flowers of this ground-covering creeper can be crushed and applied to a wound or brewed as a tea. Yeah, this is one that is anti-clotting. If you've got an injury that you want to not get clotted over or scabbed over while you're trying to clean it out and treat it, Mm -hmm. This you would use to keep the blood flowing, flowing while you do that. And then once you have done what you need to do, you would then treat it with other stuff to then close the wound, close the wound and promote the, the healing that way. Yeah. Similar to like leeches or mosquitoes or anything like that, where they are feeding on the blood and so have an anticoagulant. Yes. Capability. To keep the blood from stopping. Yes, exactly. A star root, a low-growing forest plant 
Starroot has silvery leaves, covered with delicate hair, and bears a small star-shaped flower. I'm wondering, and I don't know if this is actually the case, the, the description doesn't match, but I saw this and was immediately thinking of, like, star anise, which is oh, an yeah. actual thing, but the description doesn't really match No, because this is the well. fruit of the starroot flower, which is a dark blue berry, which reminds me of blueberries, uh, can be crushed in the juice mixed with wine. Yeah. The star anise is also not a low-growing plant. It is no. actually a pretty tall <laughs> plant. But that's still the the <laughs> picture that came to mind. Which is um, absolutely fair. Yeah. Again, we're not it botanists. Is, so. It's interesting, actually, because it is another one that sort of helps with treating poisons mm-hmm. and poisoning. But it bears a strong resemblance to another plant that it mentions there called the night root, which is a deadly poison. Yes. So you kind of need to be careful about that, about not mixing those up. And that is a not uncommon thing in nature where there are similarities in some regards between plants. And fungi. More fungi or similar plants that are in the same family. Like, for example, uh, tomatoes are a member of the nightshade family. Mm -hmm. Um, Nightshade is (laughs) notoriously (laughs) not a particularly (laughs) pleasant thing to ingest. Um, But we have bread varieties of them that are tasty. Mm -hmm. So, yes, uh, I I love the idea of throwing in star root and night root and making sure that the player rolls accurately to determine which one's which. Just a little game master wrinkle there for you. Sarunic, two R's in this one. Sarunic plant has a hard brown stalk that produces pods filled with small black seeds. Yeah, this is a concentration focuser. Mm-hmm. When it is used, the user becomes very focused on a particular thing and it is very difficult for them to change course or to or to change their mind can make them very single-minded, but again, is similar to a couple of the others that we've mentioned that might be used to push one's normal limits a little bit in order to achieve certain things. Serenic basically gives people a plus three bonus to your social defense for all interaction tests, uh, but also imposes a minus three step penalty on all the character's own tests made against other characters' social defense ratings. So, not... Yeah. <laughs> it has some trade-offs. <laughs> You get very focused on a particular thing, so it is difficult for other people to sway you from that task. But at the same time, you don't deal with people particularly well while you are focused on that thing. And so Mm -hmm. it is therefore difficult for you to persuade or influence people. Yes. Uh, Last couple. Thalen is a low-growing shrub native to the Servos jungle whose flat triangular leaves can absorb amazing amounts of liquid. Yeah, it is used mainly as a ingredient an aspect of bandages the flat leaves can be used to bind wounds absorb the blood that may be coming out of them to help bind and stop bleeding yeah there are rumors that are mentioned here in the entry that some less than scrupulous folks will take a small bit of the leaf and put it under their tongue when they're entering a drinking contest because it will absorb greater portion of the alcohol that they're drinking and so allow them to drink a lot more than it would otherwise appear that they could Mm -hmm. in order to to win those Um, whether that actually happens or not of course (laughs) the writer cannot say yes but that seems like a, a neat little bit of flavor 
totally up to the game master all the way around. <clears throat> Lastly, alphabetically speaking, is Vrila. Vrila grows in thin, woody stalks, one to two feet tall, from which spring thin leaves that are slightly curled along the edges. Yeah, if prepared in a poultice, it can relieve the pain of many wounds. I imagine that the mechanics there are talking about maybe reducing the penalty that come about as a result of suffering from wounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically it's a minus one step penalty to all actions while the effects last. But then it has... Because it makes you drowsy. <laughs> yeah, it has a negative effect if you actually ingest it. It causes nausea, vomiting, and convulsions followed by unconsciousness <laughs> and is fatal if you have enough of it. This is actually, again, a not uncommon thing mm -hmm. where depending on how you interact with it, plants or different parts of the plant can have different effects. If you are going to be using these sorts of things in this amount of color, perhaps if you're having player characters make tests to know these things or to discover these things, perhaps as part of a botany knowledge test or wilderness survival, if they're looking for something particular or any number of other ways that these are negative things that could happen as a result of failed tests based on whatever sort of threshold that you want to make. Yeah. Also, inhaling the steam when you're making the infusion could potentially cause hallucinations. Uh, this is something that you need to be careful with, just mm -hmm. generally speaking. It is toxic, but because of that, those toxic properties, when used appropriately, can help you in certain ways. Yeah. So there are some mechanics to most of these in the back of the Earth on Survival Guide. We didn't get into and all, they're all, of, all the mechanics. relatively minor. Yeah. Like one or two step bonuses, maybe causing some secondary effects with a penalty, yeah. a trade-off kind of thing. One thing that actually occurred to me that I want to mention here as we wrap up is that the importance and the use of herbs and plants and details about them actually goes back sort of literarily quite a ways. Mm -hmm. Remember the bits in The Lord of the Rings, in The Fellowship of the Ring, after mm -hmm. the attack at Weathertop, when Frodo has been stabbed, Aragorn yes. sends Sam out to look for Kingsfoil, yes. which is a plant that he knows would be able to help stave off the negative effects of the Morgul blade. Mm -hmm. The idea that it's a weed yes. was sort of Sam's initial thought about it. Sam being a gardener as well and not being aware of its medicinal properties in that regard. Exactly. So these are things that could provide a little bit of, of flavor and detail and interest in color if you are so inclined in your descriptions and adventures. Agreed. And I remember in the recent Aquaman movie that after he's hit with the laser blasts, uh, seaweed is wrapped around his burns to help him heal a little bit faster as well. So also a possibility for any, so let's recap one more time. The author and the name of the herbologist's primer. Herbalist's primer. Herbalist's, sorry. Anna Urbanic. Um, it is put out by Exalted Funeral. That is the publisher. ExaltedFuneral.com, I believe. Or just search for Exalted Funeral. And again, she's got the um, the geologist primer as well, which is in development and mm -hmm. will hopefully be out here in the next few months. I don't know if there are pre-orders available at the moment or not. But yeah, yeah 
really cool, really interesting. And there's a whole bunch of entries in this book that have pictures and ideas and magical references and all that sort of stuff about these various plants and the various climates and environments that they are found in and their potential uses. It's really cool. Cool. A second resource, if you'd like to get it, I have in my position a book called Healing Spices by Bharat B. Agarwal, PhD. So this is also about like 50 everyday exotic spices to boost health and beat disease. If that is also something you're looking forward to to enhance the flavor of your game, we have two books for you aside from the Earth on Survival Guide book itself from FASA. So, right. Exactly. Until next time, folks, uh, brew your tea, don't boil certain things, and definitely be careful when you're dealing with fungi. For your legend. Good night, everybody.